This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I'm your host, integrative intuitive medium, Kara Lovehart, and I'm back with my partner, Matt, and we are in the second episode of the four week series that we're doing on love. Yes, indeed. So we talked about love languages, the language of love last Mm -hmm. time, how we love and different ways we express love and the ways we want to receive love from Mm -hmm. others. And then of course, the six words in Greek that are different expressions or types of love. Right. And now we're going to talk about the experience of love. Mm -hmm. So how do we experience love? How do we learn about love? How did that grow and how that really expanded to the way who we are today and how we love today? Mm -hmm. And of course, next episode, we're going to go into, as that expanded out, how do we put love into stories? Mm -hmm. How do we love each other in uh, the framework of romantic relationships and ideals? So we're going to talk about that one after this episode. Mm -hmm. So everyone is shown love very differently. Mm -hmm when they grow up. Sure. So I'd love to hear from you why it's important, um, how we were treated, how we were loved growing up as a child. Yeah, because as we've talked about with the language of love, we have to understand that when we use these words, we're pointing towards a behavior. You know, um, uh, Another example would be like talking about the term quiet, right? Quiet is the idea of not being loud, but how quiet are you being? How not loud are you being? Um, that's all based upon your understanding of the concept. So, you know, if uh, <laughs> if maybe you're raised in maybe a, a Japanese family, right? The idea of quiet is silence. But if you're raised maybe in an Italian family, the idea of quiet is just a gentle roar that's going, <laughs> you know, in the room. So that's the same thing goes when it comes to love, that our understanding of love is going to be based upon our example, what we've seen. So between our parents or whoever the people were that raised us, um, even if the, you know, if we just had a single parent, um, their dynamic with the people around them, with whether it's their parents, whether it's brothers and sisters, whether it's friends or neighbors or boyfriends or girlfriends, all of those things inform our understanding of love. So when we look at how we are shown love as a child, uh, not only shown to us through our interaction with that person, but also their interaction with others, that directly informs we we will duplicate that or attempt to move in that direction. That'll be our natural direction to move towards when it comes to our own expression of love. Right. And and, and of course, there's different unhealthy dynamics that we we can potentially learn um, as well. And then if there is a lacking or deficiency in the type of love you were getting, or maybe it wasn't your love language, that can really set up for feelings of inadequacy. And then this, sometimes people grow up with this desire to have to be better, have to be perfect, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that really boils down to the number one thing I think is... um, lacking in most human beings is not feeling good enough. Sure. And where does that come from? Yeah. It usually comes from our early childhood. Right. Now, from my experience, my parents were very loving and my mom was also very busy. She had five children mm-hmm. and a business to run and my dad was you know, run their own business. Entrepreneurs are very busy. Of course, now I learned that as an sure, adult. Sure. So, it's really interesting to see that my way that I was receiving love from my mother and then even from my grandparents 
was through food. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my mom makes amazing food. Now, when we go on vacation, we'd spend quality time, which is one of my favorite, my love languages, as I said in the previous episode. But most of it was like her really being very busy. Yeah. And But she still made us dinners, and it was like amazing home-cooked meals. Mm-hmm. And same thing with my grandmother. I'd go over to her house, and she'd just get out the candy. She'd get out the cookies. She'd get out all the stuff. So as an adult, because I didn't actually learn at that time different ways of how to love my love languages and know where I felt that I needed and wasn't able to express that, of course, and communicate that. As an adult, I became a sugar addict. Mm-hmm. You know, when I wasn't having that type of love I was used to being given to me, I would go out and seek this sense of contentment through food. And that's really common for a lot of people. Absolutely. To use food as a way, to, as a pacifier to really try to put love in where they're not actually getting it from themselves. Um, mostly, again, for, from yourself first. Mm-hmm. From yourself first, and then that, of course, ripples out from your other relationships. So, yeah, how we're shown love as a child is very important. Yeah, that demonstration of what love looks like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because ultimately, we feel that connection. You know, a child clings to their parent. Uh, you know, and so it's that idea that you know how we experience that reaction to that impulse, I suppose, uh, that sort of instinctual thing uh, that that directly correlates to our expression of love later in life. And we're going to talk more about romantic relationships as well in the twin flames soulmate relationship like podcast next. That'll mm-hmm. be the next episode. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to note that as we grow up, of course, we then start to look for our parents. A lot of times sure. in our romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those relationships and, of course, friendships early on, maybe in elementary school or when we have someone that dies or passes, we have our first pull away from love. Maybe that first time when your parent scolded you or you got punished or something like that, you felt the retraction of love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that experience for people is very different and dynamic. But it really does come down to this love or fear concept. And I do think that when we have that first love wound, Mm -hmm. you know, when we feel hurt, we feel pulled away from, we feel either abandoned or rejected or whatever it is, bringing up that same core thing of I'm not good enough, Mm -hmm. we can begin to become more resistant to opening up to love. Sure. You know, as it happens repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So I want to talk about after we've been, of course, we're all a baggage as, mm-hmm. as adults. Sure. We've gone through love and hurt and fights and quarrels, and then we're made up and we're fine. You know, we've had a lot of different ups and downs when it comes to the roller coaster of love, whether mm-hmm. it's romantic or platonic. How do we open up to love right. after we've experienced that hurt? And I think even more than that, the concept of opening up to love is how do we incorporate our understanding of love into our life? Into our everyday interactions. Yes. And and the more that we can uh, understand how we can integrate that concept into these things, because if our first exposure to love is through a relationship dynamic, then we might find love to be some sort of exclusivity that we don't tell each other we love each other until a certain point in the relationship, that that becomes the thing that's lauded over the other person, that like they're going to say the L word, right? But ultimately, if we understand that love is so much bigger than that, 
Yeah, we hold back from expressing it. Right. Like, when are they going to tell everybody we're on Facebook and we're boyfriend and girlfriend yeah, or whatever that is? When are they going to say that they love me? Yeah, they know? never tell me. Right, yeah. yeah. you know, or Rather than, I really care about you too, or that kind of thing, um, that hesitancy. So how do we open up to that experience of bringing love into our everyday lives? And I think that that requires a lot of introspection. Otherwise, we'll follow along with those patterns, with our social programming, the idea of you wait two months until you tell the person that you love them because they might leave you before then. One of my favorite summaries of the concept of love is that love is free. And if love is not free, it's not love. You know. So the idea of being uh, holding something back um, you're not talking about love in that instance, you know. So that's important to acknowledge that love is something that is a bounty. It's uh, plentiful. It, it's unending. And so when we get into this sense of limitation or exclusivity, um, really we're no longer discussing love. We might be talking about connection. We might be talking about partnership. We might be talking about relationship dynamics, but the true concept of love is not exclusive. And that's the reason why we started off by talking about the languages of love, or the language of love, because these different terms that, that fall underneath of this umbrella of the concept of love are really important to understand. Because, yes, we might not express eros to everyone that we meet, but that doesn't mean we can't love everyone that we meet. You know, So, learning how to broaden our understanding of love is really the next step after we acknowledge how we first were exposed to the concept of love. So do you think people are more afraid of losing love or more afraid of loving? Now I'm thinking about that because of where we live at, Mm -hmm. there is just a Pennsylvania Dutch kind of mentality here that's very different than uh, the South where it's really that Southern hospitality and everyone talks to each other and they're all, you know, hey, how are you doing today? Mm -hmm. Howdy y'all. Like we here in this South Central Pennsylvania area are very closed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I feel like people are just afraid they're afraid to show love, mm-hmm. show that brotherly, sisterly, neighborly love. Mm-hmm. But once you initiate it, it's like, oh, they're like, oh, hi. You know, a lot of times they're very friendly. Mm-hmm. So do you think we're more afraid of losing love or more afraid of giving love? I think they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. I think that the reason why we're afraid of giving love is because we're worried about losing it or that it's not going to be reciprocated. It's but you don't have back. love in the first place. You can't exactly. hold it. You can't right. keep exactly. it. You can't put it in a box and say, this is mine and hoard it. You can't yeah. hoard love. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, that it's important to keep in mind the flow. Again, like we talked about before, the fluidity of love, that it flows. So um, just the same as you can't hold water. Uh, you know, you might be able to cup your hands and fill it for a brief period of time, but that water will eventually fall through your fingers. It will slip through your hands. Uh, if you try and isolate it and hold on to it and own it, um, love is much bigger than that. Love is bigger than any one of us. Hmm. I truly believe that. It's true. It, it is very, very is true. true. Yeah. And we definitely try to break it down and make it really complex. And uh, we make it scary sometimes. Sure, because we place expectations on it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Expectations breed disappointment for sure. Forever and always, yes. yes. Well, how has love changed in life? When we open ourselves up to love, inevitably, uh, as with anything when we're learning, we learn through uh, challenge. 
we learn through, and, and, I, and I shy away from using the word failure because failure also includes surrender. Um, so I think challenge is more the idea of having to take another look at our understanding, at a concept, at an, um, an expression. And so when it comes to love, we have to understand that it changes as we progress, that the love that we give to people when we're children is different than the love that we give to people when we're teenagers and when we're young adults and when we become adults and as we move on in our lives, that that love progresses. Again, the fluidity of it, it's changing and shifting. If I tried to love you like I was my eight-year-old self. Sure. Hey, let's go play Barbie. Right. <laughs> like I would be like so creepy and weird. Well, but <laughs> at the same adult. time, that's that that expression of love is all about the connection of yeah. I want to in I want to include you yeah. in my fun. That's yeah. how I share love. You yep. know? So it's beautiful to have that understanding, that concept, because we bring that forward. That's the ludos. With things. The right, exactly. Love. Right, exactly. And so that that idea of being able to incorporate all of these expressions of love, it's not so much that one dies and gives way to another, right. but rather one builds upon the other. They're always available to us because they're experiences that we have. But as we go through life, if we have the misunderstanding that love is about permanence, the idea that it always exists in a particular expression or form or way, that is not love. Because love is constantly shifting and changing within each of us. And even if someone expresses a similar form of that love, it's never the same. And it's always colored by our experiences. It's always put into the mold that we understand. Um, and so when we experience love, it really is more about the the process than it is about the outcome. Love is an action. Love is a verb, mm -hmm. you know, uh, rather than a noun. Yep. So the more that we can understand that it is that verb, we can allow it to continue to move. It's an action word. That's what verbs are. So the more that we can allow it to move, we can allow that transformation and that change of love to happen. But when we can understand the process of our origin of love, that initial uh, outreach, that expression, that initial trying to make contact and sharing that love with someone else or giving that love to someone else. And then finally, how we experience that uh, reciprocated, whether that is unrequited love where that love is not given back to us uh, in a similar way or perhaps at all, um, then maybe we alter the way that we express love, uh, the way that we express that interaction with someone that we care about. So those are also important components in this story of love, this experience that we have of love. I'm wondering about that question, like how do you open up to love again? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about that for what you do, mm -hmm. because for me, how I open up to love is I recognize when I'm not feeling love for others, or I'm feeling resentment, or I'm feeling angry, or whatever I am mm -hmm. feeling, and how I kind of allow myself to uh, pull the love out mm -hmm. is uh, to see the perfection in someone. Sure. I think that's something that has been really a great tool because mm -hmm. I know that there is a part of that person that is that perfect newborn baby that's just an innocent, open, 
uh, channel that's just there to experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be like the most challenging thing, but also a really interesting way to grow love and have see love change over your lifetime. You're talking about how do I now love this type of person? Mm -hmm. Um, So I find that really interesting. Um, So I'm curious, how do you open yourself up to love? How do you do that? How do you navigate that? Whenever I am with someone and I start to feel agitation within myself or uh, impatience or annoyance, um, anything like that, normally I ask myself the question, where is God in this person? And when I refer to God, I'm not talking about the traditional concept, but rather, where am I? Where, where do I see a reflection of myself mm-hmm. in this person? And not the part of me that is human, but rather the part of me that I know is a fractal of the collective, that piece of the bigger puzzle. Right. And so when I can acknowledge that this is just another human being who is trying to navigate their way through an experience that is life, that is this existence that we're all sharing, that when I can acknowledge that they are just trying their best to do what they can, it can really turn on an immense amount of compassion within you that if this person is being unkind, if this person is being annoying, if this person is not being fair, that we can ultimately look at them and say, they're doing what they think is best. It might be out of self-preservation, it might be reactionary, but ultimately, if I can see beyond what they're doing, it's that idea of looking at them and saying, "I love you, but I don't like what you're doing." Right? You know, and that you can love them in spite of what their actions or their words might be. Um, that is the important thing to do: to always focus on that, because ultimately, that love is always happening now. Right. And I, 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 you use the word like pulling out the God in them or mm-hmm. seeing the God in them. Yeah. I see the perfection in them. So mm-hmm. it's a very similar process. Sure. Um, and I think for me, I know that when I'm focusing on that and I'm not focusing on what they may be unconsciously feeling is wrong with them. Again, there's that going back to that core belief of something's wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough is that core belief I think we all carry. When I can focus on them being enough exactly where they're at, I know that not only am I giving myself freedom, mm-hmm. and that love is freedom, yeah. right? I'm giving myself love to allow myself to not be caught up in judgment mm-hmm. or caught up in anger or frustration for this person. Mm-hmm. So not only do I feel immense freedom, immense love, that's why I'm like, you can say I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to love, right? I love to feel love. Sure. And so that's my motivating factor to not only feel good, but also to know that when I'm focusing on that person's perfection or what you call the God part of themselves, I'm, I'm bringing out that part of themselves. I'm noticing that part mm-hmm. so that that person, if they don't notice that part within themselves, just by being in that presence with them, some part of me is acknowledging that part of them, whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. And I do feel that it makes an impact because yeah. people you are interacting differently your body language your eye movements you can tell unconsciously when someone's judging you or not holding you in a space not all the time but a lot of people can when someone's not holding you in a space of love mm-hmm. and i think when you're being held in a space of love there's so much of a difference that happens that's why when i have our our gatherings for um, any of the gatherings i do for women facilitate groups or when we do any sort of things for the mind body detox program when we do sharing I always, always, always have this foundation that when you are listening to someone else share, as much as you can, allow yourself to to look at 
and to observe the perfection in them, that there's not something wrong with them, whatever they're talking about or that's going wrong in their life, to focus on what's perfect in them. Mm-hmm. They're exactly where they need to be. And I think it's also important to remember that ultimately the only motivator when it comes to human nature is the desire. Uh, I'm trying to remember who I I heard someone say this, and it was such a so beautifully put, is that people are either acting out of love or acting out for love. Yes. You know, and that's such a beautiful sentiment, the idea that we're always in the pursuit of that love, whether that's through validation, whether that's through someone connecting with us. Right. Um, you know, it's that idea of feeling seen, of, of feeling like you are here, you are worthy, you are worth it, you know. And so the more that we can understand that when we look into that person to find that perfection, to find God in that person, Ultimately, we are also seeing the reflection of that perfection or of God in ourselves through them. So we can connect to this person by finding our similarities, and that is the similarity with everyone, and better yet, everything. Yes. Your house has God in it. Yes. Your heater has God in it. Your TV, your the tree outside your window, the earth beneath your house, beneath your feet. And so when you can see that beauty, that piece of the collective, that bigger uh, macro picture of everything, we can express that love. And when that love flows out of us, we just see more of it. That's the beauty of of love, is it just creates more of itself. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It's a wonderful thing. It's amazing. Yeah. So, when it comes to that love, when you're you know honoring and giving space and just loving that God and that person, even if they're being agitating or they're being annoying or whatever... Mm-hmm. Then we come into particular circumstances or situations where sometimes, even with love, we have to hold boundaries. Absolutely, especially with love. In fact, yep. the the one of my the definition of of a boundary that I'd like to stick to is boundaries are how we teach other people how we want to be treated, and the only way we know um, how we wish to be treated is when we understand how to love ourselves. We can't force other people to love us. We can't force other people to do anything, you know, that that steps outside of the realm of our control into the realm of influence. But what we can do is decide what we will allow in our lives. And that is the function of a boundary. The boundary is not there as a wall to protect us. The boundary is there as an indicator for our comfortability, for where we are limiting uh, an interaction, where we are limiting um, an, an exertion of energy. And so, when we can understand that by putting down boundaries, by understanding where those boundaries are, and most importantly, communicating and enforcing those boundaries, that allows us to love. Because ultimately, if everyone is treating each other with that respect, there is nothing but love in that situation. Mm -hmm. But we as human beings, of course, we slip into fear. You know, it happens. It's just part of the human experience. But it's not about beating ourselves up because of that. It's accepting that. That's how we love. That's the idea is that even in when someone is in fear, even if that someone is ourselves, that when we can accept, oh, okay, I, 
I stepped into fear there. I didn't mean to do that. Rather than beating ourselves up, which would just be more a fear on the situation, we switch over into compassion. We embrace ourselves and we understand, I was just afraid there, or I just felt hurt, or and so I reacted to the situation instead of consciously acting. It's just a matter of loving. You know, one of the, I said to one of, uh, one of my friends, I said, sometimes you just have to love the hell out of them. That idea of hell is the separation, you know, and the more that we can love, the further we step away from that eternal torment of being separated from love. And so that's that idea of loving the hell out of a situation. But ultimately, the reason why I feel that it's so important to talk about boundaries in conjunction with love is because so many people misperceive love as being allowing of all things. Absolutely. And they're a doormat. Right. You don't have to be a doormat. I feel like I've learned and taught. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was able to teach and learn both simultaneously from some close friends of mine over the last five years, mm-hmm. more about love, yeah. teach and learn more about love through enacting boundaries. Now, right. the old part of myself would have been like, I don't want to upset them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get upset. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel like I don't love them right. because I'm putting this boundary down. And yet you're not loving yourself and therefore you're right. not loving them in the first place. And so it was really <laughs> interesting as I started to put these boundaries and it was really uncomfortable. Sure. Of course, enacting boundaries when you haven't done it and you're not used to it is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the more you do it, and the more you're consistent with it, yes, consistency is key. Yes, the more those people see you're not going anywhere, right. you're still around, right? And then they start to realize, oh my gosh, you really love them. It's the same thing with children. Mm-hmm. Children need boundaries. Children crave structure, they even crave though they don't like it. <laughs> but they feel more loved and safe when they have it, right? And it's a really, really interesting thing because we as adults need that too. We need to know what are the boundaries, what are the operating, what's the code here in Mm -hmm. this relationship Mm -hmm. dynamic. And if you know what that is, you know what the kind of roles are that you're going to play. You can love more freely. And again, love is about freedom. Absolutely. This free loving experience. And so one of the things that we always talk about when it comes to knowing about, well, how do I know if I have a boundary? What are my boundaries? Especially if you really don't have them and you're you've been the doormat for a long time in relationships. Yeah. It's any feeling of frustration, agitation, anger, anything that starts to just kind of eat away at you, those feelings mm-hmm. that you just maybe sweep under the rug, like I don't want to feel angry because I'm a loving person. Yes. Right. I don't want to express anger. I don't want to be frustrated. I just okay. You know, I'll just let it go. That's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Because anger is a, an emotion that in used in a skillful, healthy way it's there to show us a boundary or somebody's crossed our own boundaries or we've crossed our own boundaries. Any level of uncomfortability is an indicator that a boundary has been crossed. Either we have crossed our boundary or someone else has crossed their boundary. And another thing I think that's important to put into uh, this whole thing is also talking about the idea of stepping over those boundaries. That when we understand where those lines are, what we're comfortable with and what we're not, that there are occasions in which we cross those boundaries. But the point of having the boundary is understanding that if I cross this boundary, I'm probably going to experience some uncomfortability. So in an instance, there's nothing wrong with making that exception, as long as we're also willing to accept the result of that thing, that equal and opposite reaction that happens there, uh, that we might feel some uncomfortability. But once we create a pattern of crossing that boundary, that's when it becomes unhealthy. So understanding that that boundary is not there to, as, a, as a way of 
keeping you from being able to do something, but rather to serve as a line for us to understand that beyond this point, you're stepping outside of love for yourself. Right. I mean, that's like, for an example, it's like eating maybe junk food or something like in moderation, Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. But if you're really, you keep crossing that unspoken boundary to yourself or spoken, if you're like, this is what I'm not going to do, or I know this isn't good for me and you keep doing it, you can start to become uncomfortable or frustrated with yourself or, you know, all that. And then another example in a, maybe a relationship dynamic, maybe, maybe someone calls you like really late at night Mm -hmm. or every night they're calling you at like 11 o'clock and you're like, this is my bedtime. Like I'm trying to go to bed. But you're like, eh, you know, I think that that's, again, the agitation can grow. And there's these little tiny things of these discomfort that, that happens in relationship dynamics. And I think it always goes back to asking that question. Are they crossing a boundary that I have that I didn't know I had Mm -hmm. consciously? Mm -hmm. And then you can figure that out. What is this boundary here? Yeah. Or am I crossing one of my own boundaries that I'm not aware of that I have? Yes. And I always say, you know, in every episode here, pretty much awareness is key. Awareness is a superpower because when you have that awareness of a pattern, once you're aware of it over and over and over and over and over and over again, you're eventually going to be like, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. That's when you start to change that pattern. Right. Yeah. So I think that I, I have a system that I usually work with with people, but to sort of summarize it, it's the idea of the more that you can get those boundaries written down, if you can get them in black and white, then you can modify them as you experience them. And then ultimately you become more conscious because you've gotten them out of the intangible world of your mind into the black and white world of a piece of paper or your phone or your computer or whatever. Um, And that way you can refer to those things and you can say, all right, where was this road sign that I blew past at 85 miles an hour that now is leading me to be plummeting into a ravine, you know, that I I missed the road closed uh, sign. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so when it comes to the experience of love, Mm -hmm. again, we have been shown how to love as children. We replicate that when we grow up. We replicate the way that we love in relationship dynamics over and over and over again. And we're going to talk about more about this in uh, the romantic uh, stories of love in our next episode. Mm-hmm. But we attract and recreate a lot of times the same relationship, different face, mm-hmm. over and over and over again based on how we were shown love, how we learned about love, until we learn differently. Yeah, And we are able to utilize some of these tools that me and Matt shared, you know, it's really helpful to use seeing the perfection, seeing the God in someone else, the God self, seeing or goddess self or whatever you believe in. Sure. And allowing yourself to stay open, allowing the the awareness that love is freedom mm-hmm. and that when you're holding it on, holding when you're holding on to it very tightly, it's not love. That's fear. Yeah. It's fear. Um, and to really recognize that in order to continue to maintain that love and that freedom, boundaries are absolutely key. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. And this is the series here on love. Um, join us next time. We'll be talking about the story of love. We're going into romantic ideals. We're going to talk about twin flames and soulmates and all of those things we tell ourselves as stories and the ups and downs when it comes to those intense dynamics. So thank you guys for listening. Until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. We wish you wellness and health in your mind, body, and spirit. And be well until next time, my friends. Mm-hmm.